Andrew. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we watch very special episodes of television from the past and see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are looking at an episode of Hey Arnold. This is called Arnold's Christmas, Season 1, Episode 11. It originally aired December 11th, 1996, and it was written by Steve Vixton. With a story, story by, by numerous, numerous others. Yeah, uh, including Craig Bartlett, who created the series. For sure. You can watch the whole series on Hulu. And you should. Uh, this is the first time I've seen this this thing. Oh, you never watched Hey Arnold? Not never. Oh, I loved this show. Well, I was a little bit too old for it, but I had younger brother and sister, mm. and so I watched it. And um, it's an animated show, in case you're not familiar. Ran on Nickelodeon from 1996 to 2004 for 103 animated episodes. There was also a feature film made in 2002 and a TV movie made in 2017. Wow. Yeah. So long um, storied history. We also have a guest with us What's today. What's that? Who are we ignoring right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. He's just watching us talk. <laughs> we have a very special guest today, our friend friend of the pod, Jonathan House, whose idea it was yes. to watch this episode. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Sure. I'm a big fan of the show. Yay! Jonathan is an architect, and he lives in New Orleans. I do. Thank you. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about the snack, because I saw it the other day at the store, and I thought, this is a perfect snack. Andy and Jonathan are going to be very excited about this. And it's I haven't, a surprise snack. It's a surprise. I haven't mm-hmm. shown it to you yet. So snack I'm going to go get it, and then I want your reactions on Mike. Okay. While you're going to get it, Jonathan and I will, will guess what it is. Okay. Oh, man. Jonathan, take a guess. I'm going to guess it's something not dairy or cheese related. <laughs> That's that would fair. be a That's problem fair. for me enjoying the rest of the show. I'm going to guess that it's a... I've seen some real random flavors of M&M's popping up lately. <laughs> cinnamon Toast Churros! <laughs> it is Cinnamon Toast Crunch Churros. <laughs> oh, my God. Churros. That I wasn't ready for. How are they still calling them Cinnamon Toast Crunch then? Yeah, that's... uh, who? Cinnamon Churro Crunch. I mean, it just makes sense. Wow. I'm... I'm really excited about this. I'm going to uh, close my laptop and make room for the mess I'm about to make digging into these goddamn churros. Man, I'm trying to think of even the last time I had a churro. I think I had one at... The last time I had one was at uh, Disney World. You'd remember. I rem- no, I remember because I had to take out a small loan to afford it. <laughs> this is expensive. <laughs> but now I can have that same expensive taste every day in my cereal bowl. Don't worry. I pulled us full portions. Yeah. Fantastic. This actually looks really delicious. <laughs> so, Chelsea, we're all, we've been very excitedly talking while you've made us bowls of cereal. Now we have bowls of cereal, so let's get going. I'm so excited. Yay! I guess I didn't make it. Hooray! 
Oh my god, it's so good. It was so fucking good. It's it was so really good. delicious. Yes. Although very much just like churro extruded shaped pieces of toast. Cinnamon's yeah. toast crunch. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I feel like I have a pet theory now, which is that those will take longer to get soggy in milk oh, because right. of their shape. Because they're ta- Increased shaped surface like, area. They're more structurally sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an architect, I'm yeah. sure you, you know this. <laughs> right, right, right. You're uh, all about keeping houses from getting soggy. Whole noodle-shaped <laughs> foods do better in water. <laughs> it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. That's, that's the whole... They, that's where they got the idea for pool, <laughs> pool it noodles. It is true. From churros. True. Yeah, from churros. <laughs> I think this is so delicious. And you know what my... I don't normally eat just like bowls of breakfast cereal uh-huh. as an adult, but I do enjoy sometimes putting cinnamon toast crunch on ice cream. Whoa! Yeah. Which I think these would be even more amazing on. Yes. So yes. I want to make a fake documentary where someone is drowning in a pool and somebody just has a churro to throw them, <laughs> <laughs> and then they throw it. They say the person, and the person who threw it is like, "Say." <laughs> Oh, wait, I have to get my laptop out for the episode. I forgot there's more yes. podcasts to record. <laughs> we are now doing Christmas at Easter. Hey, Arnold, if you aren't familiar, centers on the adventures of a fourth grade Arnold, nine years old. He lives in a nameless city that the creator says is an amalgamation of Seattle, Portland, and Brooklyn. Hmm. He lives in a boarding house with his kooky grandparents and a diverse array of friends and neighbors. Episodes usually center around Arnold, sometimes helped by his best friend Gerald, helping a classmate or a neighbor to solve a problem. So why did you want us to do an episode of Hey Arnold, Jonathan? So I will say this show was incredibly fundamental for me growing up. Sure, I was around Arnold's age whenever I was watching it, all of the hijinks I related to. Uh, I went to a school that was not dissimilar from Arnold's demographically, and so a lot of the people just felt like my friends, you know, felt like situations that I had. Um, so I related to it a lot, and I also just really aspired to be a lot like Arnold. Yeah. I think that he was a really good person. I think that he had some like hardships, you know, as we haven't discussed yet. His parents are never in the show, at mm-hmm. least um, early on. They kind of come up in later episodes in like flashbacks or uh, memories that he has from being very young. He loses his parents and is being raised by his grandparents in this tenant house. So I think that he kind of brings that baggage a little bit with him whenever he's trying to make other people's lives better, as we will see in this episode. I liked this show because it was, and I think a lot of kids from small towns and suburban towns liked it, because it showed what it would be like to be a kid in a city. Yes. um, Which is in city hijinks and, Mm -hmm. and to have, you know, to live in an apartment instead of a house and have friends of all different races. And yeah. and so, and different family constellations, you know, like Arnold lives with his grandparents. Other people live with two parents, or maybe they live with one parent, or maybe they live with an uncle. And so, I think it was in its own quiet way, sort of being inclusionary before that was a buzzword. Mm-hmm. In yeah. a in a way that kids just kind of absorbed through osmosis, as opposed to being beat over the head with the idea that like all oh, these people live together and mm-hmm. they're they don't fight, they get along, they help each other, mm-hmm. and they're all different. I have warm feelings about I didn't I don't remember specific episodes but I do have warm feelings about the overall arc of this show. Think of it fondly. Uh, I will say it also um had just like the best soundtrack. It's yeah. just like this great jazz music that kind of goes through all the episodes which um I don't know. It kind of just like puts you at ease. And I think it kind of like sets a tone in each episode that they're going to get through whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kind of has like a tone through the thing. Like we're going to get through this. Yeah. Arnold also has the 
coolest bedroom he truly does. of any kid ever. It's a, a very tall bedroom with cool space wallpaper, a lot of movable furniture by remote, a lot of things that oh. pop out of walls, very and cool. the entire ceiling is a giant skylight, mm-hmm. which yeah. you can climb out of to this, uh, the roof of the building. Come on. Is this what inspired you to become an architect? This Potentially. <laughs> uh, I was discussing the episode with a friend Does yesterday. everything that you make have a skylight <laughs> and space wallpaper? Oh my god. Hey, we thank you for designing our <laughs> office building. We were thinking more regular wallpaper. This was and we're honest. on the second floor, so a skylight's kind of weird. <laughs> kind of weird. Um, this was around the time that I did decide that I wanted to be an architect. That I did start drawing a lot of Aww. buildings and house plans oh, and all that cool. kind of stuff. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. Except yes. So we start off in the ordinary world of the neighborhood. Except it's snowing. Yeah, the holidays are coming up. The kids are off school. They're sledding and ice skating and frolicking in the streets, and so are the adults, and everybody just looks so happy. Helga Pataki, um, who's a central character, she's kind of like the school bully, but in a but everyone's still kind of friends with her way. People are afraid of her, yeah. but not in a, and we're also not going to be friends with her way. It's right. kind of hard to explain. Yeah. I think tough. it's like a very, I don't know, like kind of a real, almost like adult bully friend. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like Frenemy. very, yeah, she's yeah. very self-aware. She's very intelligent, mm-hmm. highly creative. Um, there's another episode, which I don't want to get too deep in on, yeah. um, but another one of those is an episode where Helga goes to therapy and it's a really, really Whoa. good episode wow. where a therapist shows up to the school points out Helga is a interesting case to kind of try to take on Helga like works through all the reasons why she's kind of a bully and wow. you know the therapist acknowledges that she's really highly intelligent so I would highly recommend going to watch yeah, that, that one as well great. Yeah. so Helga and her friend Phoebe are walking home from school having that age-old debate is Christmas about in Helga's words shopping like a barbarian I wrote down that one too and yes. getting a haul of <laughs> presents or is it about giving and spreading joy. Phoebe is under the impression that it's about holiday spirit and love, and Helga almost murders her because of that, <laughs> because she disagrees. Helga goes on a rant about how it's about toys and me and things like that, and her rant is only cut off because she sees some fancy-ass boots. Yeah, she wants these boots. What what are they what are they called? I didn't hear it here, but later Nancy on Nancy Spamoni. Nancy Pomoni Spamoni. Spamoni. Which is Sorry. of course food, right? A Spamoni? Yeah. Good question. It is. Uh Nancy Spamoni snow boots, which we are showcased over uh, Surfer yes. Rock, which is playing for some reason. Spamoni is gelato. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gelato made of different flavors. Is this uh, supposed to be a take on something? Well, I think there's just always the thing of the year that parents are getting in fist fights over. You know, whether it's Tickle Me Elmo or it's whatever. There's that movie. What's the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger about? The oh, Jingle All the Way. Man. Yes. Jingle true Lies. True Lies. It's a true lies. It's Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. <laughs> there's a, there's the trope about Christmas that there's always the thing, and it's based on real life. There's always the hot gift of the year that like no one can get. In this case, it's these Nancy Spumoni designer snow boots that every girl in the city wants. Helga's just talking about how she wants it. She's got to have them. She's been dropping hints for her parents. She's sure she's going to get them, even though the stores are basically sold out. She's positive her parents picked up on the hints and have gotten her these boots, and she can't wait to get them. I've done... Uh- a a touch of jazz research. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's more of an interstitial jazz research. Mm-hmm. 
Nancy Spumoni is a is a, a creation of this series. However, she has some nature of association with a different character named Dino Spumoni, who's a big band jazz singer. Oh yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. That, that you know That ties about into him. the universe of Hey Arnold quite well. I did not put that together. Is this the first time that jazz research has turned into? Research jazz about jazz? Research? <laughs> <laughs> it actually has. Because according to the Hey Arnold wiki, because yeah, of course there is, Nancy Spumoni is potentially a reference to the 1966 hit These Boots Are Made for Walking by uh, Nancy Sinatra, daughter of Frank Sinatra, right. who Dino Spumoni mm-hmm. is modeled Oh, after. that's great. Oh, sure. I love that. It's, it's, it's a real, you got to walk around an entire these park. These boots are made for walking in snow. You're going to need, these boots are made for the long walk it takes to get this reference. <laughs> I am going to try not to do this too much during this episode. Please. That's another great episode oh, where we get the means. history of Dino Spumoni. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. Stopping myself right there. Um, no, it's all right. <laughs> we need we need like mythos and legends. Yes, and that's what like you're that. providing here. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So Arnold and his BFF Gerald, who Gerald is like my favorite character. Gerald's fantastic. He's amazing. Um, Arnold and, and Gerald are gift shopping, and Gerald has bought ties for everyone, <laughs> including his four year old sister. It's amazing. Arnold's like, you can't just give everyone a tie for Christmas. You have to show people you care about them by giving them unique gifts. Exactly. And um, he goes on good about point. the spirit of Christmas and everything, and. Who's standing right nearby and overhears him? Helga. Helga. Helga, Helga is an Eric Synthodrone level stalker. <laughs> she she is appear, everywhere. She? she is. So Oof. she is moved by Arnold's concern for others. And of well, course, she calls him a sap and a goof. I right. will say this First is thing. after a solid verbal berating, yeah. uh, which I have labeled V A Q T M. Verbally abusing quietly to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Which Helga does a great deal of. Yes. Helga. Little case of mutter shits. <laughs> <laughs> mutter shits. Helga, her relationship with Arnold is characterized in every episode by the fact that she's outwardly very mean to him. And even to herself at the beginning of talking about him when she's alone, in her soliloquies, she says mean things about him, but underneath it all, she loves him and she wants him to be happy, which is, I'm just going to say this once and then we can move on. A disturbing trope that we don't teach kids anymore, that if someone makes fun of you and abuses you, that means they like you. This is a thing that gets said a lot to little girls. This is a bit less worrisome because it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's the gender reversal and they're just it statistically, you know, well, one fewer... might point out that abuse is abuse and it should be uh, nipped in the butt no matter who it's uh, related to. Well, exactly. But we don't see this trope as often statistically. The trope of girls being mean to boys means girls like boys, as we see in media. Boys being means to girls means boys like girls. Sure, I'm not quantifying know. who's worse abuse. I'm just saying this is a lesser known variant of this writing trope. Sure. And we don't teach this to kids anymore with good reason. Because abuse is abuse, as you said, and abuse does not equal love and it does not equal secret crushes. Sure. And if someone is mean to you, then you need to report them or you need to tell them stop being mean to me or however you want to handle it. Yep. But it doesn't mean that they're secretly holding a crush for you. I would say, too, uh, the show, I would say, hopefully intentionally, is maybe kind of poking fun at that trope because sure. no one ever points out to Arnold 
that she probably likes him. Right. Uh, no. Despite the, because of the fact that she's being mean to him. Uh, and, and they could just be acknowledging that. Yeah, yeah. but and you as a kid, you as a kid internalize that though, watching mm-hmm. that. Sure. You're like, oh, she loves him. She's mean to him and she loves him. Mm-hmm. Sure. But anyway, it all ends with Helga saying she needs to find the perfect big flashy gift for Arnold and that will make him pine for her the way she pines for him. Also troubling behavior. We should also point out the fact that you cannot win someone's affection or love with a present. Right. At least not a material present. You can, what she actually ends up giving him is something non-material. Yeah. That is even, it goes to what Gerald was learning from Arnold in the last, in this scene earlier about that, like the best presents are the ones that show that you appreciate the person for who they are. Sure. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Let's just say that our mini learn (laughs) is that, you know, maybe you should tell people how you feel. There's learning in, uh, yeah, seriously. There's learning in every scene of this. This is for like a yeah. learning-packed episode. This is yeah. really um, well done, by the way. It's worth noting that yeah. they've. They, it's been like uh, two minutes, three minutes, and we've already set up the entirety of the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So the call to adventure happens back at the boarding house. All the tenants are pulling secret Santa names, and Arnold pulls the name of a lonely boarder named Mr. Wynn. Oscar, who has set up the Santa drawing. Oh, yeah has rigged it, and everybody soon realizes that they've all gotten Oscar as their secret Santa. Hey! I love the Oscar girl. <laughs> Oscar. He, he's kind of known as this person who's always trying to get what he can out of everybody else uh, without putting a lot in, you know? Kind yeah. of like the easy way out sort of guy. Bit of a yeah. grifter. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's always got uh, got some kind of excuse why it makes sense, you sure. know? Or like, oh, it's just a joke. I tried to cheat you. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold uh, ends up pulling the name of Mr. Wynn, who's a lonely boarder uh, that he doesn't know very well. And the next scene is the meeting with the mentor. Arnold and Gerald have a heart-to-heart during a snowball fight. Mid-snowball fight. Uh, mid-snowball mm-hmm. fight. Fantastic time um, to work right. on these issues. Gerald suggests that uh, Arnold should give Mr. Wynn a, a tie. Yeah, he's like, just give him a tie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's you his could, answer to everything. You really. could call this a... That, an encouragement of uh, the refusal of the call, but Arnold does not take the bait. And he says, Mr. Wynn always seems to get sad this time of year. I'm going to think of something really special to give him. And Gerald wisely advises, if you really want to figure out what the guy wants, just go talk to him. Now, from a a mythos and legendary standpoint, Mm -hmm. uh, how how well acquainted are we from the series of Mr. Wynn. He's kind of a background character up to this point. Yeah. There's a few boarders in the house who just kind of provide some comic relief, mm-hmm. at least early in the series, because it is a very well-written show, I think. All of those characters at some point get their worlds expanded upon and we learn more about them and sure. they become more emotionally real. So Arnold goes and meets with Mr. Wynn. Mr. Wynn. And is having a lot of trouble sussing out what he might want for Christmas. They make some sort of awkward small talk, which brings us into the special world. He's crossed the first threshold, literally into Mr. Wynn's apartment, where he's probably never been before. Sounds like it. And they're having this little tete-a-tete where he's trying to get to know his neighbor. They don't specify where he's from. He's Asian. He is voiced by an Asian-American voice actor, which, hey, how about that? Hey, nice. I will say, in general, this show sets, like, a pretty good standard for TV watchers in the future. I think it it sets up a lot of good, like, baseline, you should do these things that I think that we kind of just see as the industry standard at this point. After a little bit of small talk, Arnold sort of brings up that 
or Mr. Wynn brings up that this time of the year makes him sad. Yes, he very conveniently jumps straight into the story. Yeah, I think it's great because he probably just wants somebody to talk to about right. it. Right, it, it actually like doesn't it. feel forced. It's sort well, of like, yeah. well... We, yeah, we see him, like, alone entering the boarding house, and then while everything's going on, he's just standing by the fire, sort of staring into it. He tells Arnold about being a young man with a family in a different country, and we actually cut, we cut to a flashback. Yeah. I think what we've sort of internally decided... Although the internet contradicts this, but the internet is wrong. Um, or the one place I saw. We've decided this is Korea, right? We think. It could be Vietnam. The timing seems more the, like Vietnam, but I couldn't find the historical events that he described seem to more closely correlate with things that happened in Korea. It does yes. feel like the historic events are Korea, but there is so much Vietnam imagery yes. yeah. that it's it's hard to suss out the two, and I don't know... Uh, that seems like it's it's either they meant Vietnam, but it looks like Korea was more of an accurate yeah. thing, or they meant to just be like, look. It's an amalgamation. It is an amalgamation. Yeah, like the things. city is never named. The yeah. city is an amalgamation. So this is sort of an amalgamation of an immigrant experience. Yes. Cut to this other country where uh, he is a young man living with his baby daughter named Mai. He's very happy. They have a whole community there, but there's a war going on in the north, and he worries that he won't be able to keep her safe or even feed her eventually. So he and everyone else in the country are trying to get out of the country, and there's confusion everywhere. They show like a tattered American flag in the foreground to indicate that American troops are involved in this. Mm -hmm. Soldiers are getting people out on helicopters, but they don't have room for both Mai and her father's so he gives the soldiers his baby girl so she can go to America and have a better life. And he vows to get out as soon as he can and find her again. And all he had to go on in that moment was that the soldier yelled out the name of a city. This, this city. city yeah. mm-hmm. It took him 20 years to get out of that country. And yeah. he's been looking and he came here to this city to look for Maya. And he's been looking ever since, but he's never found her. But he says he will never stop thinking about her and never stop trying to find her. Right. At this point, adult Jonathan watching this again is so misty eyed. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. The room it is, is very... humid with tears. Yeah. <laughs> Gross somehow. <laughs> Gross but touching. Yeah. This flashback is done in such a way that it's just heartbreaking yeah to muddy up the issue the helicopter taking off from a rooftop is clearly the last helicopter out of hanoi Mm -hmm. that that entire thing which but i i feel like it does apply to numerous incidents i think yeah people are separated from their families maybe at the end we'll come back around a little more to the christmas miracle yes yes Um, So Arnold hears this story and he's like, great, plan formed. We're Mm going to go find Mr. Wynn's daughter and reunite them for Christmas. It's going to be great. And Gerald goes, well, you know, it's already Christmas Eve, so (laughs) uh, best of luck. Maybe this will be a fun uh, New Year's surprise. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure he'd love to see her any time of the year. Uh, Uh, Arnold and I both have never learned the lesson of under-promising (laughs) over-delivering. And that's a way that we stay similar. Right. He hasn't told Mr. Wynn this is his plan. Right. He tells Gerald. Gerald, we are going to go do this. And Gerald's basically like, there are millions of people in this city. You've got no idea what she looks like. She might not even be going by the same name. Mm, yeah, right. She might have moved. Right. It's going to take a miracle to find her. But I Arnold think- says Christmas is the perfect time for miracles. Isn't that what Christmas is all about? Right. Which brings up my favorite trope of Christmas things, which is that there is just a brand of Christmas magic, TM, 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 mm-hmm. that makes anything possible. And in a Christmas-related film or TV show, you can just say, 
but isn't the Christmas the time for X thing? Sure. And everyone nods and goes, yes, Christmas is the time for, I don't know, <laughs> it's really telling me. the truth, miracles, dreams coming true. Shoplifting. People growing up, what people not growing up. Murder. Acting like a child. Yeah, shoplifting for sure. Getting getting drunk on public transportation. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's what it seems to be the time for. You can justify for. anything. Yeah. And that holds up in the in a court of law. It sure well. does. Well, it was Christmas. Because you um, know who the judge is going to be? Santa. Santa. Ho, 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 not guilty. <laughs> Probation. <laughs> so Helga in the B-plot is meanwhile racking her brain and the toy stores to find the perfect gift for yep. Arnold. We're She's brought into stumped. it pretty abruptly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are. With a very, presents, presents, presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Helga is angrily looking for just the right present for Arnold. Uh, she does most things. Arnold and Gerald end up at the city's federal office of information. Arnold's been calling around all morning, and he's like, if we're going to find Mr. Wynn's daughter, these are the people that are going to help us. The motto above the door is Cave Quivi Sumus, which I've probably missed pronounced which is latin for beware whoever we are oh my god Whoa. Yeah. it's a, apparently there's a famous latin phrase that's beware whoever you are that mm. was carved above doors places beware whoever you are and they have changed it to beware whoever we are Weird. so that's fun inside the government building the christmas party is in full swing yeah everybody's drunk as fuck yeah gerald's like uh we're too late the, that government worker has a trash gun on his head right. so but one office still has its light on. Yeah. Mr. Bailey's office. Mr. Bailey, like George Bailey, like It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe. Can't be a coincidence. Yeah, but he's a fucking curmudgeonly old fuck, this guy. Well, George Bailey is too kind of in the beginning. Oh, sure. He does yell at that one guy, yeah. um, whoever it is that's lost the money. Yeah. He almost wrecks that dude. <laughs> <laughs> where'd, you, where'd you hide the money? Tell me, a nincompoop. <laughs> So, Mr. Bailey is annoyed at the appearance of two nine-year-olds in his office. Like, that's that seems legit. Yeah. Um, but he is kind of touched by their story. However, he says, finding this my win would be a huge job. And he just doesn't have the time right now. He's just swamped. It's Christmas Eve. He hasn't even been Christmas shopping yet. So, Mr. Bailey's wife calls at this point. And the boys overhear him tell her that he hasn't done their Christmas shopping yet. He's got the list. He hasn't had time. He doesn't know when he's going to have time. And Arnold and Gerald offer to run those errands for him if Mr. Bailey will help them find Mai. It's a great deal. It is. I would never do this if I was an adult. I'd be like, all right, kids, you seem like you're on the level for nine-year-olds. You seem capable of handling multi-hundreds of dollars and doing business transactions in a timely fashion. You'll definitely come back. I believe in child labor. I think you guys make the best minors. Child labor laws are ruining this country. They really are. So why not child personal shoppers? Cut to Gerald and Arnold running all over the city transacting deals in and out of stores, doing the Christmas shopping with just wads of cash. Yeah. Also, it's it's real fucking easy. Yeah. Like, I've been... I don't go out of my house near <laughs> On Christmas. On Christmas Eve? No. Yeah. I would... I don't care about anybody enough to go out on Christmas Eve to shop. And they're just like, hey, we're getting through it. Helga is also out shopping. She is. Yeah. So just, just to... Before we go any further, I just want to see, does Hey Arnold sort of hit holiday episodes on a regular basis are they not really no really it doesn't do that a ton sure they may kind of they hit certain holidays Mm -hmm. but i don't think they ever like need to hit them every year not with regularity right like Like there is a thanksgiving episode sure um i think there 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 are a couple 
uh, Halloween episodes. Sure. Like, there's definitely a bar mitzvah one. Yes, they do sure. some sort of, like, cultural milestones for different people. That makes sense. Which is cool. So, yeah. So, Helga's also out shopping. Yes. She's found a rad skateboard. Mm-hmm. And a human vulture child tells <laughs> Helga Arnold already has the exact thing. Who's this vulture child? <laughs> He's the one kid with a southern accent in their class. <laughs> it's just impressive that a vulture child is able to talk. <laughs> Fuck the accents. I actually do think that there's an episode, the Halloween episode, where he plays a vampire. I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of coming fine. in like a weird I mean, flashback. He just comes out as a vampire. He also like lives in a like very southern, like traditional home in the middle of the city. Weird. It's like a sure. shack. It's just we're in the middle of a city Great. block. So we've encountered a stereotype they're not afraid to Yeah, push. no, they're going to they're gonna exploit this uh, little rube. So the vulture child, Stinky, we've, we've learned, mm-hmm. tells Helga that the rad skateboard that's the perfect gift for Arnold is perfect because he already has the exact thing. Yeah. Um, I have to go pick at some bones. <laughs> <laughs> so Helga gets frustrated. She throws the skateboard down. Yeah. Arnold and Gerald, who are shopping, which is, yeah. again, going great. And they've gotten everything on their list except for the very last thing, which is Nancy Spumoni snow boots, dun, dun, which dun. we learned earlier have been sold out uh, everywhere. But Helga's determined to get some. Yeah, she's, she's like, sure. I asked my parents. I asked my, my parents months ago, so they better have gotten me this, yeah. uh, which is good because it's already sold out. So unbeknownst to Gerald and Arnold, they're walking into a difficult situation. But they, but they run into Helga. Before they go look for the, before they get to the shoe counter, they run into right. Helga. They yes. just noticed that at the bottom of the list is this. And then we cut to Helga, who has found the perfect thing for Arnold. Yeah. It is a video game called Frozen Tundra Death Warrior 7000. And it costs $99 as per the display behind her. And I'm like, how? You're nine. How? I'd never seen a hundred dollars when I was nine. Yeah, How do you have this to just be like spending on your boyfriend? It's kind I, I of the unspoken the, thing about Helga through a lot of things. Yeah. She's a rich kid. That's why we I, get into I that got. in like a few other episodes. Yeah. Uh, her dad is Bob the Beeper King. Uh, yes. To do a full circle from a different so episode. He's probably still doing fine, is what we're going <laughs> to believe. He's doing good. We're the beeper P- market crumbled in the late <laughs> right. 90s. Let's oh. not act like Helga went to Harvard. Turns out that was sitting on the beeper bubble. At the moment, she's at peak beeper. Dad's doing great. $100 gift for Arnold. Probably not a massive stretch. No, it makes sense. So she's got this video game. She's super excited because it's the one everyone wants. It's the best video game, it's the jewel, the jewel of the genre. And then she runs into the boys. And as opposed to being like, let me hide this behind my back so they don't see it, she flashes the video game. Yeah, and she's she like, says, check it out, FTDW7000. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, isn't this amazing? Isn't it, if someone got this, they would be like so impressed by the person who gave it, wouldn't they? And Gerald goes, I don't know, it seems kind of impersonal to me. They just immediately uh, shit all over Yeah, it. well, yeah. Arnold doesn't say anything. Gerald's just like, it seems like that doesn't say much about the giver or the recipient. And I said, mind your business, Gerald. <laughs> video games are a great gift. <laughs> also, <laughs> personal episode, to some of us. Gerald's already learned something. He right. really, he's <laughs> applying like the knowledge for the, the lesson from earlier. Gerald's mm-hmm. like, but you should get a tie. You should get a tie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, he's just uh, repeating Arnold's words of like, you should do something unique to show that you care about somebody. And then Arnold says, you know, like, have a nice afternoon, Helga. He just says something nice to her and she leaves and uh, he leaves and 
she just like deflates. And then she finds their uh, shopping list with everything crossed off except for Nancy Spamone's no boots. Right. boots. So Arnold and Gerald approach this shoe store where the like the counter in the shoe department. Yeah. They say like, we need these snow boots, please. One pair of snow boots, please, by Nancy Spamone. And the salesman doesn't answer him. He goes to get some other salesman. They come back. He makes Arnold repeat his request. And then all the salesmen laugh at him. All the grown men laugh at the nine-year-old boy who just yeah. asked for a thing that the shoe store should provide. Uh, quick question, Jonathan. Have you ever gotten a client request for something and you bring all the rest of the people you work with over to laugh at them? Only on a conference call on mute. There you go. Yeah, that's, <laughs> which is perfectly acceptable. Also, right. are these clients children? Nine-year-old children that you're laughing at as adults? Internally are... <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're yeah, asking no, no, you seriously. No. How Chron- many nine-year-olds uh, yeah. are... Chronologically. Design uh, my house. All jokes aside, I've never openly laughed at a nine-year-old. Yeah, that's mean. Oof, I'd have to... All these men should be fired. I'd have to think that one through. I might have openly <laughs> laughed at a nine-year-old. They probably did something fucking stupid. <laughs> Kids are dumb. Kids so are dumb. He, the guys are just like, those, those boots have been sold out for a month. Like, if you put your name on the waiting list, you might get some by the 4th of July. This ridiculous request. And undeterred, Arnold's like, well, there has to be a pair somewhere, and yeah. we're gonna find them. And here's a montage... Uh, that I like to call the shitty retail employee montage. Yeah. <laughs> it goes everywhere, and fucking everyone laughs at him. So Mr. Bailey, back at the Office of Federal Finding People, said he wasn't going to search for my win unless the boys came back with absolutely everything on the shopping list. Yeah. It doesn't matter that they bought the other 99 things on this shopping list. If they don't get these boots... No dice. And they come back without the boots, and he's like, sorry. And I want to call bullshit on this, but Chelsea, you and I have both worked for the state (laughs) in a state building. (laughs) Those are not reasonable folks. No, no. And it's sort of like, I gave you a set of conditions that were mostly a way of my getting out of doing this later. Right. And you didn't meet them, which was my plan all along, so I'm not doing any of this. I put on moon rocks <laughs> and diamonds on here, and you brought them. All right, he's a he's a piece of shit, is what yeah. I'm saying. So, so now we're yeah. approaching the inmost cave. All seems lost. Yes. Arnold and Gerald sit on a bench outside the building and lament the way the situation has turned out in exquisite detail. They go into every inch of the plan and how it backfired, and of course. Helga is lurking behind a tree. Did right. Else notice what else is in this scene? Like Besides the, the Christmas lurker? No, we noticed that one right away. I'm always on right. the lookout since I've watched these episodes of TV. I'm like, who's lurking around? Yep. Who means me ill? What what person am I dating who Oh, you mean the Saigon thing? Yeah, there's like a picture. There's yes. like a poster for a, a movie. I think it just says like the last helicopter. It says out. Saigon helicopter. Saigon There's helicopter. A sign behind oh. her in a store window that reads Saigon helicopter. I didn't notice that. An interesting yep. befuddling touch. Yeah. Just there for the astute adult in the room. I guess. Well, uh, thank you very much for that compliment. <laughs> I was astute and I did notice it. Look at you. Please do. So Helga overhears this whole plan and what they were trying to do and why they needed the boots and what mm-hmm. Mr. Bailey and he's going to look and she gets all all the information about the plan. And she goes home and her mother notices that she seems depressed and she says, why don't you open one of your presents now? And of course it's the snow boots. Let's figure out this 
family because they seemed insufferable, sure. They're yes. all like yell singing around a piano. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this family, please. Helga personally finds her family insufferable. Uh-huh. So you are on beat for the tone they're trying to set. Right. That, Chelsea? Her you hear older that? sister, Olga, is mm-hmm. like perfect, right? right? And uh-huh. the living room is just covered in awards and medals and plaques that Olga has oh, gotten. I get it. She's highly successful. They've put so much energy into Olga's perfection that Helga goes <laughs> Olga's on Olga's just like on autopilot. She's she really just raising is. herself in these streets. Yeah. Yeah. So her... And is it a stepmother? Because she calls the mother by her first no, name. No, she's her real mother, but she just doesn't relate to her at all whatsoever. Weird. I remembered the same thing whenever I went back and watched. I don't think that she is a stepmother. I think that she's actually just her mother. She's her mother. She calls her her first name. This is her Helga's disdain for authority. Right. Her to call her mother. I, it's either name. that or yeah. it's it's the mother doing the whole like, no, we're we're not mother daughter. We're best friends. We're cool friends. And her mother is also kind of like a stereotype as well of being, she seemed pretty drugged out most of the series. Really? She's either drinking regularly or like on meds. She's barely there, doesn't really hear anything that Helga says, and she's always going to get smoothies in elaborate oh. air quotes. Uh-huh. Uh, so. I did not see a poster in the background that said drug mom, so I didn't put that together. <laughs> so Helga opens the boots, and she's so excited. Her mother says, I stood in line for 18 hours to get those. The same amount of time you'd be asleep on a drug. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe easier um, to do right. on pills. Those yeah. must be the hey. last pair in the city. So Helga is jubilant. I mean, it's the happiest we've seen her this whole episode. She runs outside the music that was playing when you first saw the boots the like mm-hmm. weird surf rock ad music is playing again mm-hmm. she's jumping around and then the list that she picked up falls out of her pocket yep yeah and she picks it up and she looks at it and she goes oh criminy not another moral dilemma <laughs> <laughs> which is basically the tagline for my entire life yeah right she goes through a a straight up pros and cons list of taking keeping the boots uh, as opposed to what is clearly the right thing in right. giving them to Arnold. And then she literally says, oh, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she says, she starts with, on the one hand, I'm happy, which is all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Really, her, her, her selfishness is, is incredibly entertaining. Yeah. And she's so self-aware. You're right. She's just like, I got mine. So what is the rest of this? Oh, right. Arnold, who I love. Mm-hmm. This would make his Christmas. If I gave these boots away, it's really a gift of the hell guy situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh okay. We, we can do gift of the tone eye, but not gift of the hell guy. I hear you. So, this is now we have reached the supreme ordeal. And surprisingly, the climax, the big battle, is happening to Helga. It's not even happening right. to Arnold or Mr. Wynn or any of the people that we thought. This is really an ensemble hero's journey. Like it is. everybody's on a Christmas journey together. And it's kind of a feature of the series, right? That like all of our fates are bound up together. This is what it means to live in a city. This is what it means to live around people. You help other people and that helps you. You hurt other people and that hurts mm. you. So Arnold is lying in bed, just replaying Mr. Wynn's story over yeah. and over in his head and in how he cool failed and he's in his cool ass room. <laughs> in his cool ass room, who and must Helga, have been designed by somebody pretty extraordinary. <laughs> uh, Helga, meanwhile, runs to the government building and she's got the boots in the back in the box. I hope she like wiped them off because she was running around the snow in them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she hands them to Mr. Bailey just as he's leaving, like locking up the door. 
And he's like, well, too late. Already locked up. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah, P.S. Mr. Home. Bailey, now you're getting the boots and keeping the money you would have spent on those boots. So right. that's a great Maybe point. Maybe go straight right. to hell. I hadn't <laughs> even thought about that one. Yeah. She launches into a speech about the spirit of Christmas, which doesn't convince him to help her. No. And then he flags a cab and he's about to get in the cab. And Helga says, okay, you got a choice here, pal. We can work together all through the night and create an honest to God miracle. Right. Or you can just go home. And there's something here that I really like too. I like that Helga, as cynical and as world weary of a nine year old as she is, values Arnold's morals. She values his worldview. She values that he's, in her opinion, a little delusional. And she wants to protect that. Yeah. And I love that she wants to protect that in him. Yeah. She uses that as her major argument for why why this guy should help her. Yeah, it's not even about Mr. Wynn and his daughter and what it would mean for them. She's like, if we do this then that little football-headed kid mm. keeps believing in miracles. Right. Um, the, I mean, the real miracle here is the cutting through of the government bureaucracy <laughs> and getting this done in less than five months. And the fact uh, that this involved zero phone calls to any other person at a time right. and the infant internet. Yeah. Also yes. that Maya is indeed reachable and findable and yeah. talk toable. And going by the same name. Uh, but we're spoiling it, guys. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, spoilers are so, spoiler alerts. Miracles, the, okay? It's Christmas. Miracle so alert. Is, this is the supreme ordeal. It is it's between Helga and Mr. Bailey. And it's really the showdown between optimism and possibility and hope and cynicism mm-hmm. and not caring what happens to other people. And the government. And the government. And so we don't know what happens because we don't see the end. We don't see the resolution of the Supreme Ordeal. We actually cut straight to the reward and consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's the next morning at the boarding house. All the residents and Gerald, whose his parents don't care that he's not there Christmas morning, sure. are exchanging presents and laughing. But Arnold is depressed. Well, Oscar gets a bag of coal because yeah. well-deserved. Yeah. <laughs> but... Does he not get it, by the way? He's like, oh, bag of coal, thanks. No, he's no, he upset. Very much gets oh, okay, cool. He's, I just he's upset. For sure. Nice. Arnold didn't bother to get Mr. Wynn a yeah, backup gift a or even thing. like make him a card or anything. <laughs> yeah. So and there's just nothing for Mr. Wynn under the tree. He's speaking up. Everybody's already gotten their presents. He's like, hey, the most vulnerable person in this room didn't sure. get a present. Anybody want to own up to that? No, nobody. No, no. Nobody, cool. okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Hey, Arnold, you seem to be sitting there silently and not having given anybody anything. Are you a piece of shit or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? You, oh, sorry. You thought miracles could happen. Nice. Mr. Wynn stares wistfully into the fire. He's so much staring into the fire. Right. Yes. It's, it's, his, it's his general way of meditating, working through things. I guess so. So just as Arnold's about to admit that he flubbed Christmas for Mr. Wynn and by extension everyone, the doorbell rings, and who should it be? But my win, all grown up and just very happy looking, which is what her father wanted for her and why he sacrificed so much for her to be happy. And she's got a big smile on her face and she says, father, and he's overwhelmed and they hug and they begin speaking to each other in a language that's not English. And there isn't a dry eye in the house. Even Not in my the house. house. Most, yeah, my house either. The <laughs> most curmudgeonly residents of the boarding house are all tearing up. So we get a little bit of an act three, which is unusual. 
Arnold and Gerald being like, well, it's a miracle, I guess. How did this happen? Like, they left that building thinking Mr. Bailey was not going to help them. Yep. They have no way of knowing how this happened. And Gerald says, maybe you got a Christmas angel looking out for you or something. Bah. And Helga's outside in the snow whispering, Merry Christmas, Arnold, and taking no credit for any of this. It's very sweet. So the real Christmas miracle miracle here is the transformation of Helga's spirit. Yes. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing I was going to to bring up is then did we take a sharp right turn and Helga is very suddenly the hero of this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Helga is definitely the protagonist it turns yes. out, but it's Arnold who has made the change in her. It's his goodness has rubbed off on her. He's influenced her in this way. So yeah. it's it's like he gets what he wants because he's a good person and does good for others. And being a good person yeah. has changed this other person. Yeah, which is kind of, I was thinking about this afterwards, sort of like the whole spirit of Christmas as it relates to Santa, mm-hmm. like divorced of any sort of religion, is that there's a person who's, keeping karmic tabs on you all year long and sees, even if you don't get credit for it, when you're good to people and when you're bad to people. And you're rewarded if you're good to people at the end of the year. It's sort of the basis for all religions. The idea that like, even if you don't get credit for things, or even if no one knows that you did a thing, it's still worth doing that good thing. Well, and truly the spirit of helping other people out and reaching out to people who aren't necessarily your family, it Mm. it supersedes all religion, is really just a reflection of your soul. And Helga has found the perfect gift for Arnold, which is not something material. Arnold has found the perfect gift for Mr. Wynn and his daughter, which is something not material. The Nancy Spumoni boots have mm-hmm. ended up being just a means to an end for this Absolutely. other thing. And I hope that Helga, uh, Helga's feet are the same size as Mr. Bailey's daughter's. Dead. You know who doesn't get a fucking Christmas miracle at the end of all this is Helga's barred out mother who stood in line for 18 <laughs> goddamn hours to get those boots. And tomorrow is going to be like... Why are you not wearing those boots boots. I stood in line for 18 hours for? And Helga's going to be like, I gave them to a kid I don't know for a thing. And she's going to be like, cool story. Looks like it's (laughs) pill town for me. (laughs) Helga's mother already has a solution. We have more eggnog, right? Somewhere in this house we have more eggnog? Yeah. Merry Christmas, massive dose of quaaludes. <laughs> Good old ludes. Good old ludes. <laughs> That's how this episode goes, man. It's really sweet. At the end, yeah. I was immediately like, I hope these two kids get together someday. Yeah, it's really well written. It really gets its point across in a way that's it's not subtle. I mean, they straight up say what they're doing the whole step, but, but it doesn't feel heavy handed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I was uh, glad to have rewatched it. I was like, oh, yeah, I was really charmed by this show back when it was on, and, and I'm still charmed by it. Do Arnold and Helga ever get together? She kisses him at one point. I distinctly what? remember her kissing him. I don't remember yeah. what the reaction to that was. So let's talk about the uh, research you did, Jonathan. You, okay, you, for sure. You did so much good research. So there's a, an online article from a blog that I found, uh, nedforney.com, uh, by a guy named Ned Forney, who only lists himself as a writer. In December 1950, dramatic events unfolding in the rugged mountains of North Korea captivated the world's attention. The Battle of Chosin, one of the fiercest engagements in U.S. history, was taking place in sub-zero temperatures and knee-deep snow. After days of horrific fighting, U.N. troops surrounded by overwhelming Chinese forces and suffering heavy casualties. 
began an epic breakout to the sea. Tens of thousands of North Korean civilians followed, with bags, sacks, and in some cases babies strapped to their backs. Mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, and everyday citizens from villages and towns through the region hugged their relatives goodbye and promised they would return in a few days. We're seeing a lot of allusions Mm -hmm. to the imagery that was built during Mr. Wynn's story. Cold, hungry, and exhausted, the refugees had heard rumors that the retreating Americans might allow them to board U.S. ships at Hungnam, a port on the East Sea. As they trekked their way 70 miles to what they hoped would be safe passage to the south, they worried about their families. They knew what would happen to anyone accused of helping or cooperating with ROK or U.S. forces. Sympathizers would be imprisoned, tortured, or possibly executed. This was one of the biggest evacuations of the Korean War, known in South Korea as the Christmas Miracle, and more than 100,000 civilians were taken south on ships from Hungnam during several frantic days. 100,000 civilians. 100,000, yeah. yeah. I'll say Edward Forney uh, was the one who I think kind of pushed to save as many as people as possible. Right on. I think that it was his move to kind of throw a little bit of safety to the side, you know, kind of not say, you know, we're just going to defend our interests or, you know, we're not going to care about what's happening to these civilians. How many refugees are we talking about here? Oh, 100,000. Yeah, 100,000. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is in a different article that I read, but there was some ship that I think was only supposed to hold like maybe a thousand people and they put like 14,000 people on it or something. They just like loaded boats up and just got out. People were huddling on the docks for days, just, just hoping, hoping, hoping to get onto a ship and at least four people died just waiting to try to get out. And family um, separation was a real theme of this yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was such madness. You know, a lot of families got separated and obviously it makes sense because of the show to tell a story in New York, but most of the division just happened between North and South Korea that a lot of people just yeah. moved to South Korea away from their families in North Korea and then have never seen them again. Yeah, but that's, but that's uh, the thing is because of North Korea um, and the way that they, they're, they're so isolated, yeah. isolated um, the hermit kingdom, it doesn't matter that they're geographically still so close. Exactly. Like they've never seen those people yeah. again. They have mm-hmm. no way to contact them. It's even more tenuous a connection for people who ended up in America or if their children ended up in America trying to find grandparents, aunts, uncles from this forced separation has been extremely hard because in America and North Korea don't have very good relations, despite what our president would like to lead us to believe. Um, And so it's been very hard for these people to find each other. So, Yeah, and there's a, you can see a picture, uh, I texted this to you. You can see a picture on nedforney.com at the bottom of the, the article here. It's a picture of refugees crowding around a ship that already looks like it's full to capacity. And there's, yeah. there's people on the beach are just stretched back as, as far as you can yeah. see. There's one on the Washington Post and this Washington Post article that I'm reading about in Pyongyang refugees crawling over a shattered bridge like this bridge is in the water it's just twisted girders and pieces of metal and people crawling over it like ants to try to get from one side of the river to the other so to bring it kind of to a modern context um and this is something that i hadn't thought about either before choosing this episode but um bringing up president trump Mm. uh who's this now (laughs) i wish i didn't know man wouldn't that be nice um so in these more recent talks between North and South Korea, regardless of our involvement and some of the more symbolic gestures of a softening connection between the two countries. Mm. While still symbolic, there have been a couple of good articles, one in the Washington Post also, about some families um, seeing this as a potential sign that they may actually find some of these lost ones that they lost, uh, 
these loved ones they lost at the sure. time and telling some of these stories about being separated and having a, a newfound sense of, sense of optimism in the past couple of years over this issue. Yeah. Um, as we said before, the timeline for this would actually, and that like Saigon helicopter thing mm-hmm. would actually indicate that this ha- was more of a Vietnam era yeah. thing right. because his daughter would have been in her forties when she showed That's up at true. the house, if this had been Korea. But if it was what Hanoi, the, She'd been in her 20s. Yeah, that yeah. would have happened in what, like the, the early 70s? Yeah, so um, timeline-wise, it makes sense that this would be more a Vietnam-era thing, but these events in Korea seem to match up, and the mm. American GI's in- interventions in Korea seem to match up more. It seems like the, the creators probably didn't specify this on purpose, so they could kind of be nonspecific about where Mr. Wynn comes from. The fall of Hanoi actually happened April 30th, 1975. This episode takes place in 96, so Mia would be about 21, which mm-hmm. which seems about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, But I, I think, again, they're sort of keeping it open so that they can be inclusive of right. other you know events that happened. Uh, that result in family separation, which is sad because, uh, you know, like five years, 10 years, 20 years, there'll be a, there'll be a whole cartoon episode about the family separation happening now. Oh. Wow. That's really, yeah. Good point. So goodness, this has been an incredibly special episode of television for so many reasons. Let's try to distill down what we learned from this episode. I knew about the fall of Saigon. Mm -hmm. I did not know about this Christmas miracle, and that's an amazing story. No, me either. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that sort of thing would happen nowadays. Yeah, it definitely seems very, like, in the time. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, maybe that's true. I don't know. I guess you get, like, disconnected at a certain point, and you get put in a position of... um, I don't know, being economically distressed because of how we treat immigrants in a lot of cases. And yeah. I could see it being just as difficult, um, especially given discrimination of certain bodies uh, for sure. people who are seen as immigrants or as foreigners and maybe government workers are not thinking it's their job to take care of those yeah, people. Which is yeah. a real shame because every American tragedy that happens, Europe and Canada and Mexico, they all come through and donate what they can and, and mm-hmm. help out in any way. And we, we do less to get those people back. Right. Um, yeah. Um, On this website called Vietnam Talking Points, there is an article by a Vietnamese-American writer called Mr. Wynn, Demeaning Stereotype or Source of Comfort. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, here we go. Are um, we going to undo our wanting to do the entire episode altogether? Nope. Because this, this, because I do not want to re-record a collective white side. (laughs) White side. This writer grew up. Speaking Vietnamese at home, eating Vietnamese food, one of the fi- he says, one of the figures I found solace in was a 2D man, a 2D man by the name of Mr. Wynn. Mm. There are plenty of moments on Hey Arnold wherein the producers have approached Mr. Wynn with a true cultural sensitivity. The mere fact that Craig Bartlett even specified Mr. Wynn as Vietnamese is enough to raise both an eyebrow in wonder and a hand in applause. It goes without saying that Asians are sorely missed from mainstream American media, and even when included, Asian usually translates to Chinese, Japanese, or sometimes Korean. So given the paltry number of Vietnamese on television, the very existence of a distinctly Vietnamese character on American TV, on a kid's show no less, is really quite something to marvel at. But that's not all. As crass as he might have been, Mr. Huynh was a multi-layered character, and I dare say that his presence played an integral part in creating the show's legacy. Some of the most beloved episodes of Hey Arnold figure Mr. Huynh prominently. It's easy to get caught up, especially with the nature of this podcast, on like the the way they poorly handle this or that. I mean, mm-hmm. episode a couple weeks back about uh, Kim Possible had some 
unfortunate stereotype accents uh, that weren't very yeah. great. So yeah. it's worth like doubling down to point out when people get things right or mm-hmm. when they're inclusive or when they just mean well. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear that this show expounds upon their their uh, minor characters in a way that's not just exploitative. Tokenism, yeah. yeah. And I would say as a kid, like, it's great to have had a show that I think I got, like, a lot of emotional growth from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like, in the 90s, there was a lot of kids programming that was real wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of it was, like, pretty nuts, maybe kind of offensive, maybe kind of grotesque. And I think that I grew in other ways from those. And I'm glad to be the weird right. person I am because of <laughs> a lot of 90s sure. kids shows. Yeah. Um, but I think it was contrasted well with shows like Hey Arnold or Eight. I can't even think of another one at the moment. But yeah. But there's the, examples. There's little islands of, of goodwill. Okay. In a sea of horrible shows <laughs> out there, you just yeah. gotta find the right ones. Right? Yeah. yeah, islands like Gilligan's Island. Where or Vietnam. Or Viet. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, who do we want to hug? Mr. Wynn! Helga. Uh, okay. I would say Helga too. Yeah, it's uh, just that girl needs some hugs. Yeah, yeah. I think that Mr. Wynn gets a hug in this one. It's true. Mr. Wynn does get a hug. Helga, I think, throughout the series, does not get nearly enough hugs. All right, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, you guys hug Helga. I'll come hug Mr. Wynn. We'll cover all the bases. Sure. As long as we're all like you staring can... each other in the eye whenever we're hugging yeah, yeah, yeah. our person, or into a fire, or into <laughs> templates. Only two acceptable places to stare. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and the middle distance. Mm-hmm. That was Hey Arnold really knocked it out of the park for our first episode of uh, of this show that we've reviewed. Yeah. And I would highly recommend going and watch other episodes of Hey Arnold. There's some good lists out there of like top 10 Hey Arnold episodes. I might, I might just. Um, the ones that I've watched so far just following up this one haven't disappointed at all. So there we go. Yeah. Holds up today. I mean, this one held up uh, better than some shows today. And I appreciate you letting me talk about Thank it. Thank you yeah, for dropping for being by. Here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so great to have you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, I love this, this show. This episode of Hey, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> So good. Um, what are we watching next week, Chelsea? Well, that sounds fun. <laughs> right, Jonathan? That Becky sounds wish great. We're going to be here for that one. Tell you what, I can promise you, whatever it is, I will be listening. Aww, oh, that's thanks. fantastic. So thank you one more time to our special guests. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, bye. Bring snacks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!